Thanks for joining us online today. We're really glad you're with us. Yeah, Core Church is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. And we want you to come see us at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can be of any support to you, we'd love to connect with you. There's lots of links in the description below, whether that's prayer or support in any way. We pray that this message is going to both encourage you and inspire you. Louis Giglio has a book called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Our leaders have been going through that book, and um, I'm going to tell you, as your pastor, I have been guilty this week of letting the enemy have a seat at my table. You can't let him have a seat. Come on, turn to somebody and say, don't sit down. Don't, don't sit down. And then say, don't let him sit down. You can't give the enemy a seat at the table. And uh, the way that you can do that, you can, you, under the authority of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, you can say, get out of here, Satan. Let's practice that. One, two, three. Listen, for some of you today, you need to say that like right now. You just get out of here because you're speaking things to me and I don't need to hear that because we're about to proclaim the word of the Lord today. We're going to speak the word of the Lord over you today. And that's going to bring hope and healing and peace and purpose. And you got to get Satan out of the way because he is an adversary. And as I wrote in my journal this morning, he is out to kill me. He is out to steal from me. He wants to steal everything from me, everything that I adore, everything that I love, every promise God has ever given to me. He's out to steal it from me. And this past week, he did a really good job of it. And ultimately, he is out to kill you. Kill your relationships. Kill your relationship with Jesus. He, he doesn't like you, but there is good, good news because we have the name of what? Jesus. So I love about that song. Turn to somebody and tell them you have the hope of Jesus. You have the hope of Jesus. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 33 if you want to get a, help, uh, stay, uh, a head start. 2 Chronicles chapter 33, remain standing. Um, as you're standing, by the way, this is a good time to take a restroom break if you need one. Uh, you know, this is just this is my cue to you. Nothing worse than in the middle of the sermon that it hits you. And you're like, wow, I got to get up and you got to do the potty walk. You know what I'm talking about? Every, every eye in the place is on you going, I know where they're going. I know where they're going. They have a weak bladder and they couldn't make it. So you're, you just, you're dismissed for a moment if you need to do that. Hey, we are in the Lent season, you know that, and I just want to encourage you to press into this season. It's a season of prayer. It's a season of fasting. If you've never fasted before, I'm telling you, you got to do it. Turn to somebody and say, try fasting, try fasting. Here's the thing. Some of us are like, this is the thing. I just don't know. That's just like what monks do and things like that. I don't know if I could fast. Some of you have skipped a meal. You didn't even know it. You're like, that, that's what fasting is, except, except it's not just skipping a meal because fasting is really big in our culture right now. Fasting is, it's not, not uncommon to hear about it. But the difference for us as followers of Jesus is we take that time to consecrate ourselves before God, to pray, to seek his face. And I am so excited. We have this Lent Pentecost fast going on. You see the cards in your chair. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, about 120 people were gathered in a room and the spirit of the Lord fell. There are 120 meals during the Lent season and 92 of you have said yes to fasting. 92 people so far have said yes to fasting. Uh, those of you who are not clapping are the ones who we need you to sign up, okay? So we just need, listen, we're looking for 28 more people. One me, if you're a follower of Jesus, can I just, I, I want to say this lovingly. So I'm just going to say this lovingly. If you're a follower of Jesus in this place, one meal in 40 days. Okay, I'm going to say this lovingly, but like you literally can't take one meal in 40 days. I'm just telling you, 92 people have said yes to that. More have said yes to, you know what, I'm in on the Friday fast. I am fasting on Fridays with the whole church. I'm telling you, if you want breakthrough, if you want Jesus to show up and manifest his presence in your life, try fasting. 
because he will. He'll be like, oh, you be serious. You, you serious. That's how God talks, by the way. You be serious. You think of him as King James, but he does it differently. So grab this card if you've not had a chance yet. Let's get this knocked out. Let's get 120 people signed up. Uh, last week, so many of you filled out the prayer card of people that you're praying for during the Lent season that don't know Jesus. During the Lent season, we're specifically praying for coworkers and classmates. Who are your coworkers that don't know Jesus? Now, you may be in a workplace and you're like, I honestly don't know if they're following Jesus or not. What you can do is just say, write down the word coworkers. And I'm going to start praying. Here's what's going to happen. As you start praying for your classmates and your coworkers, and you're like, I don't know if they know Jesus or not, you're going to find out really fast because God's going to put you in a position to help them and bring to them the joy of the Lord that he has given to you. Fridays, men and women, uh, it's been great. Such a great group of men and women who've shown up uh, 6.30 a.m. On, uh, in the morning and, um, and then noon for our, our women. It's just a lot of great stuff happening during this, this Lent season. So during the Lent season, we're also in this series called The Way of Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to, to seek after him? This series is really a consecration series. It's, it's really about our core practice of continual surrender. It's about making Jesus the Lord of your life. Like, what does that mean? We sing about it, we talk about it, but how do I know Jesus is really the Lord of my life? So we've been looking at uh, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is short for mountain because he preached it on a mountain. That's how it got its name. And the beginning of that is the Beatitudes uh, that are so famous in the church today. And he starts his message kind of with those beatitudes. And we've been looking at these different beatitudes because it's in these beatitudes we find a clue of what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. And so today we are up to Matthew um, 5, 5. And I want us to say this beatitude together. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, when you see that word meek, for some of you, you're like, oh, seriously, come on. <laughs> meek does not mean weak. Turn to somebody and tell them, meek does not mean weak. I thought for many years as a follower of Jesus, it just meant I was weak. I needed to be weak. I needed to let people run over me. Can I tell you? Then I saw, oh, wait, Jesus tossed some temple tables. Uh, G Jesus said some pretty interesting things to people at times. It is not about being weak. That word meek simply means humility. What does it mean to be humble? As a follower of Jesus, we're going to have this tension we live in between pride and humility. Pride ah, and humility. And as followers of Jesus, we're to cast aside pride, which is so difficult to do. And we are to be humble people. But what does it look like to be humble? Humble. So we're going to look at this story, 2 Chronicles chapter 33. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you download. Uh, you can download version. You can download the Bible Hub app. I use both of those. And uh, we read out of the New Living uh, this morning. So if you're new to the Scripture, 2 Chronicles is out of the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came, way back before he came, thousands of years before he came. And this is the, the Chronicles list all the kings of Israel, so it tells all their stories. And it's fascinating if you read about them because they are all jacked up. They are all a bunch of messed up kings. Like hardly any of them followed God. In fact, the, the guy we're going to learn about today, Manasseh, his dad was Hezekiah, one of Israel's greatest kings. He loved the Lord. He followed the ways of the Lord. But Manasseh decided, I'm not going to do what my dad did. I don't want to follow in the ways of God. And he um, started setting up idols and shrines, and he started worshiping other gods. And, uh, and then he did, it said wickedness. And if you read the story, he did some awful things. And, and for us, there's things that he did that we go, how could somebody do that? And he was just following what everybody else was doing around him. Oh, come on, I am preaching, and I am preaching now. He was just looking around what everybody else was doing to be successful, and he just did what they did. And we look at it and go, man, that's, that's just stupid. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't do stupid. Don't do stupid. The world is doing stupid. And, and don't do stupid. But let's go to, uh, so, so he's just done some awful things. In fact, verse 7, let's start at verse 7. Manasseh, this is the king, he took a carved idol he had made. He set it up in God's temple. 
the, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem. The city I've chosen from among the tribes of Israel. Go down to verse 10. Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored his warnings. Do not ignore the warnings of the Lord. God today has sent you here and he's going to warn you about pride in your life. He is going to warn you. Turn to somebody and tell them, get ready, you're about to be warned. You're about, you know, turn back to the person you didn't choose and tell them, this is a warning before the warning. This is a warning before the warning. Listen to this. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies that took Manasseh prisoner. They, they put a ring through his nose. They bound him in bronze chains. They led him away to Babylon. They put him in deep distress. And Manasseh says, sought the Lord his God. And here it is, sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. And here's the good news, church. No matter how far you are gone, no matter how lost you feel, no matter how wrapped up in the chains of sin and guilt, no matter how many people you've hurt in your life, here is the promise of our God. When you pray, the Lord listens. The Lord listened to him, was moved by his request. God is moved by that. So, so the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. Let's talk a few minutes about humility. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We're thankful, God, we ask right now that we just, we just say, get out of here, Satan. You have no place in this place because this and we are the people of God here to worship our God. And we are open to your spirit now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, now you can be seated. If you uh, ever want to be humbled, schedule a visit to a dermatologist. Uh, that will do it every time. I, um, I have uh, fair skin. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, some people would call it translucent. Uh, and and uh, thanks be to God for my skin color, I have to um, go to the dermatologist uh, once a year for a, a visit. And, and whether it's the doctor or the dermatologist, it's, it's incredibly humbling because when you go in, they, they make you take your, your shirt off. And, you know, and then you're, you're literally you're exposed, and it's very, very humbling. I mean, not, not for me, but for, for other people. Um, I mean, because I, I, I could take my shirt off right now, and, but I, I wouldn't want anyone to stumble, you know. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want any men in this place to be intimidated, Brian Palmer. Uh, so, you know, what's funny is uh, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but you, if you wear the right clothes, you can hide a lot of stuff, right? <laughs> You're like... Yeah, I think this is good. This, this kind of hides this. Like, I'm not kidding you. I'm not, I wish I was making this up. I got up this morning. I'm like, what am I going to wear? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be talking about my body. I better, <laughs> better make sure something hides it looks right. So, <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So I get to the dermatologist because I go once a year. And uh, to make matters worse, my dermatologist is a woman. And so uh, she walks in the room with her assistant and she says, hey, I need you to take your shirt off. And I was like, well, hey, we barely know each other, you know, and it's like, you know, no, only, only one other woman has ever asked me to do that. She's like, take your shirt off. <laughs> so I do. And when I take it off, anybody do one of these? I take it off and I go <sighs> like this. I mean, there's only two people in the room, but I'm like, yeah, I got this. And she goes, you can breathe. And I was like, oh, oh man. And then she says, you know, put your arms up because I got to do the exam. And I was like, so I just did this. Yeah. I was trying everything 
Because it was very, very humble. And then she starts the exam. And, they, you know, I don't know how it is for you. I, 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 but when you get older, and what I've heard, as, what I've heard about this and when you get older, uh, weird things start appearing on your body <laughs> that are not God-given. That you're like, what is that? Uh, what, I don't even, what is this growing out of my body? What, why is that that color? What is this? And so she's going around, she's naming everything. I swear to you, it sounds like characters from Star Wars. She's like, you know, okay, he's got, um, he's got a Yoda. He's got a Yoda. We um, got a Chewbacca. He's got a Chewbacca and two Mandalorians. I mean, I'm like, I don't even, <laughs> don't even know what she's talking about. Our, our culture, our world is, is obsessed with physical appearance. I mean, it's just everywhere from, from every, the crazy diets that you can take, all kinds of surgeries that, that, that you can have, uh, filters on our phones that we have. I mean, and, and when you go to posts on social media, you got to get, you know, you got to get the angle just right. You got to get your chin right so you don't have that thing right there. <laughs> and, and, and what is this thing you ladies do in pictures where you do this, this, whatever, what, what is this? You put your leg out. I don't, you never see guys going, okay, I'm ready. Don't look at me like that, ladies. Our ladies' prayer group, look at this picture right here. This is what they took for social media. <laughs> look at that. What that is. Oh, my goodness. You know, but maybe for you, you don't get caught up in, in your, your physical appearance. Um, you know, I mean, some of you are looking around, you're like, maybe they should. But, um, uh, oh, that's wrong. I can't believe our pastor just said that. But maybe for you... Maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe for you, it's, it's social status. You want to, you, you got to be seen with the right people. Uh, you got to get that post, it's, and you got to name drop a, a, a little bit. Or, uh, or, or, or if it's not social status, it's, uh, you know, I've got I've to I've gotta be seen and be known in certain ways by certain people. I, I've got to have the right title. I've got, I, I'm searching if I could just have that title, if I could have that, that, I just want that diploma. If I can get that diploma and I kind of hang it on the wall where people can kind of see and they can hear and uh, that I have not just one degree, but I have two degrees and I have all these different things. Or, or maybe it's a zip code. You just want to live in the right zip code. I just, I don't want people to know the zip code I live in and I want to get into that zip code. Or maybe you, maybe it's the car that you drive. I've got to drive a certain car. You know, I've got to, I've got to drive a, a really fast white Corvette and I've got to park it in the South parking lot so everybody will see it. And, um, I'm Stan, I'm, I'm kidding, man. I, I love your car. Listen, if that is a source of pride for you, I would gladly take that off of your hands humbly. I would receive that. I would receive receive that. All all of these things can can lead to pride. Pride in possessions, uh, pride in position, pride in appearance, pride in in accomplishments. And now humility humility doesn't mean like you know hey I can't have nice things because I, I want you to hear me on this. I, I believe that God wants you to enjoy this life. It's not wrong to have things, you just can't have things, just can't have you. And, and I believe what God says is God says, I do want to bless you. I want to put my favor upon you. I don't care that you have nice things. I, I want you to enjoy this life. But the problem is, is that we can become obsessed with these things where where all of our value and all of our worth is found in those things, where, where we look to those things and those people for, for fulfillment in my life. That's where our identity can get all wrapped up in stuff and people and things and accomplishments. And it's and our fulfillment, our joy, our destiny, everything, and we can become obsessed by them. And God says, that's not what I, it's not what I want for my people. I'd like for you to write this down. It's a simple statement. God and God alone is to be my obsession. God and God alone is to be my obsession. In, in other words, God says, I want you to be obsessed with me because I am obsessed with you. 
He says, I want you to look to me for your value, for your worth. I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who birthed you. I'm the one who loves you unconditionally. I am the one who wants to bless you. And he says, look to me for ultimate success. Look to me for your identity. There is no higher identity or plaque you can hang on your wall than follower of Jesus. Are you obsessed with him? Because that's the way of Jesus. So you got Manasseh, this king, he, he kind of lost sight of all of that and he got caught up in the pride of this world. Look back at the scripture in 2 Chronicles 33 and verse 7. Again, it says, Manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and he set it up where? He set it up where? He set it up in the church. Like he, he put it in the church, the very, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, say this with me, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, okay? If you're new to church, when you become a follower of Jesus, guess what? Good news, you get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now dwells within us. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are the temple of God. And as the temple of God, I think this should be our declaration, God's name will be honored forever and ever in this temple. That should be our declaration. You look at David, and he talks about David and Solomon here. David, if you don't know, King David, he's the guy, if you're new to the church and the scriptures, David's the guy who had the slingshot, killed the giant, became king. When he was king, God gave him a vision to, to build a permanent temple for, to house his spirit and a permanent place of worship for the children of Israel. Up to that point, all they had was a tent. It was called the tabernacle, and, they would, and God's presence would be manifested into that tabernacle, but God said, I want you to be, build this temple, and David became obsessed with it. He's like, I want to build a temple to my God, and he didn't get a chance to do that, so he handed it to his son Solomon, and then Solomon said, I'm going to build it, and he built this amazing, beautiful temple to the Lord, and if you read about the day of dedication, it's crazy how God showed up. You think God shows up here at times. The day, you can read about it in 1 Chronicles. The day that that temple was, was dedicated, it says the fire, literal, literal fire fell from heaven to the temple and smoke filled the entire temple. So full of smoke, no one could go in there. Solomon couldn't go in there. The priest couldn't go in there. No one could go in because the presence of God was so thick. The glory of God was so strong. Do you want that in your life? I want that. I want my temple. I want to see the fire of God fall. I want him to fill me so full to overflowing. Fast forward a few generations and you got this guy Manasseh and he puts idols in that temple. He knew the law. He knew the word. He'd been going to church on Sunday. He was the king. He knew about the other kings. What happened? He got distracted. He got distracted by the success of the world around him. He started looking around him and he's like, hmm, doesn't look to me like the meek will inherit the earth. Looks like everybody else is. And he decided to go the way of the world. It's so easy for all of us to get distracted by the success of the world, isn't it? I'm gonna turn to somebody and tell them, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Somebody pulls up next to you at a stoplight and you look over and you're like, wow. And you look at your car, you're not even looking at the outside of your car, you're just looking at the inside of it and you're like, whoa, wow like to have that. You're on social media and somebody, you're just randomly scrolling, you're bored, you know, just randomly scrolling. And then all of a sudden you see somebody in their vacation pictures. Oh, look at there, they're in Cancun. Oh, oh, you got a sunburn. Isn't that too bad for you? (laughs) 
It's so easy to get distracted. I mean, you, you get home and all of a sudden there's all this earth moving equipment to your neighbor next door. You're like, hey, Fred, what are you doing? Put me in a pool. Thought the kids would love it. Well, did you have to put out a second mortgage on that? I bet you did. I mean, you just saw it. It just look everywhere around you. Getting ready to get into wedding season. Oh, my goodness. Anybody gone to a wedding recently? You're looking around. You're like, wow, who's back in this thing? Elon Musk? Like, what is? <laughs> they got, like, napkins folded like swans. Backstreet Boys is the house band, you know? I mean, it's just nuts. Those things can so easily become an idol because you see what other people have and you start chasing after that instead of chasing after Jesus. And, and you start looking to those things for your joy, for your success, for your, for your fulfillment. Like if you want to know if something is an idol in your life, how do I know if it's an idol in my life? Or how do I know if it's starting to become an idol? Or how do I know if there is even the potential for it to become an idol? Like, remember I said warning signs? Here's, here's, some, of the, here's, here's some warning signs. Let, let something uh, be taken from you. Let it be, um, let it be, uh, uh, let, let it be taken from you. Let it be damaged. Let it be stolen. Um, and, and see how you react. How do you react when that happens if, 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 you, if you lose something? So most of you know my background is radio, and, and I have an extensive um, record collection, an extensive that I've collected over decades now. It's, I, I, I love it. I have over 600 idols in my... I mean, sorry. <laughs> I, I have over 600 albums. Excuse me. Um, we'll fix that in post. I have over 600 albums in, in this collection. I love my collection. And when I was first beginning this collection and putting it together, um, I don't know if anybody's ever had a cat before, but, but cats, they, they like to scratch stuff. They like to, you know, they like to scratch furniture. And I found out when I came home one day, they like to scratch on records as well. And um, I still have these records, and it's just a reminder of that experience. There's a picture of it. They're going to put it on the screen. I can't look because... Oh, man, I just, the good news is that Cat was not an idol, and poof, he's gone. Get out of my life. Get out of here, Satan. Somebody say that with me. Get out of here, Satan. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, I can't even, I don't really have any idols. I don't, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't. Can't, can't, can't think of anything. How about that device in your pocket that you carry around all the time? Oh, now he is preaching up in here. Oh, oh, listen, I know we're going to tuck your toes in, tuck your toes in, because here we go. I mean, think about it. Like, whenever you're on that device, what do you do? You put your head down. You, you bow. It's a bowing, it's even a bowing position. Some of you are going to leave here and go, I'm going to start looking at my phone like this. <laughs> I'll fix it right there. We, we have these little idols on there that we call apps. Because, and you, you, we can just look, I, I, can't, I can't live. What if, it, what if it was lost? What if it was stolen? What if it was taken away from you? Oh, now I'm preaching to all of the teenagers in here. I, I, I'm just going to tell you, like, imagine that you, that just, that's just one little small example of it. I mean, just, just try to live without that thing in, in your life. I think so often we, we have that thing and we drag that thing, that digital device out because our joy, our happiness, uh, if I need fulfillment, if I need a hit on something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to that. If you say, oh, Brad, no, my, I, I, have, I have so much self-control. That is not mine. Turn it off. Like right now. Turn it, turn it off and leave it off the rest of the day until the sun goes down. 
Oh, but I have to be available for emergency phone calls. Okay, then delete all the apps off your phone. What, we're in the Lent season. What, what, what apps do you go to? This might go, this, this, what, what would happen if you said, I'm gonna delete these apps just for the Lent season? See, see, we all think, oh, I don't have anything. And maybe it's your not phone, maybe it's something else for you that you're, you're drawn to that, that takes your time away from God. Man, here's the thing about Manasseh. This is the, this is the key you gotta understand about this guy and, and why we are so much like him. Manasseh didn't abandon worship of God like his grandfather Ahaz did. It would be so much easier if we were like Ahaz. Ahaz decided, I ain't worshiping God no more. He locked the doors of the temple, people. Locked the king, locked the doors. No one could go in. No one could worship. He stopped worshiping. That's like, I mean, that's just the easy way to do it. Like, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm not going to read my Bible anymore. I'm not following Jesus anymore. Cancel worship. But, but I think we're more like Manasseh. Because for Manasseh, it was very, very subtle. See, what did he do? He brought temple, excuse me, he brought idols into the temple. He, he didn't abandon the worship of God. God just got crowded out of his own house. I, I wonder how much we're like Manasseh. I think that's what we're guilty of. I, I, I think that none of us would say that we are abandoning the worship of God. We're not, we're not gonna do that. We, we just add things to it. Add more and more things to it. And God, God suddenly is slowly no longer our obsession, no longer our passion, no longer the focus of our worship. No, no, no. He, he has to share it. Share it with everything else in our lives. Warnings. How do you know if that's happening? Here's, man, you know... It, you just can't get to church on Sunday because of the commitments that you, you have, because of something else you're devoted to, something else you're, you're passionate about, something else has your obsession instead of the house of God and the people of God. I mean, you, you, I, I would give in that Lent offering, I'm, I'm, I know, and I'd, I'd give on Sundays, but I, but I just, I don't have the financial Resources. Why? Because your resources are all wrapped up in some other obsession, some other something else you're devoted to, something else that you're passionate about, and so your resources are going that way, and none of them are coming God's way because you're trying to share it. And He says, "I, I won't share my glory." I mean, I, I, I serve. I want to serve, and, and I'll serve when I, when I can, but, man, I'm just so busy. It's just a busy season for me. Because why? Because you have your devotion, you're tired, and you're worn out, and your schedule is overflowing because you've decided that's going to be where I'm devoted to. That's going to be my passion. That's something I'm obsessed with. And what I've seen so many times, people don't even know they're obsessed with something. They're going eight different places, doing nine different things, driving to this, going to that, and they're like, man, my life is crazy, and I don't know why. It's because you lost your focus, like Manasseh. I mean, I'd read the word of God, but I'm, I'm just, I, I just don't have the, 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 the bandwidth. I don't have the margin, and I'm just so tired. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm just tired by the time it comes to maybe reading the scriptures, and I know you're doing this during Lent and all that, but I'm just, I'm just tired, you know why you're tired? Because you're, you're, something else in your life has the devotion that belongs to God. Something else in your life has the passion. It's getting your passion. It's getting your time. It's getting your attention. And, and God is saying, God and God alone is to be my obsession. He is to be our obsession. Somebody say amen. amen. He's supposed to fill my life like he filled that temple. For Solomon. So in the words of Jesus, Jesus said, again, the meek shall inherit the earth. In other words, Jesus was saying this, those, those who will lay down their idols, those who will lay down their vain pursuits. I think pride is the driver. Pride is the main driver in our society today. It's this obsession that I, I just, I just want to be noticed. 
Does anybody see me? Does anybody care about me? Somebody tell me that I matter. Somebody tell me that I'm important. That, that is the curse of social media. I love social media. I'm on social media. But that's the curse of social media. We can all fall into it. Instead of posting to help someone else, instead of posting to bring somebody some joy in their day, we end up posting for me. That's called pride. I'm posting so someone will notice me. So somebody will tell me I'm beautiful. Somebody will tell me that I matter. Somebody will tell me that I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom. Somebody will tell me that I'm doing okay in this life. I'm checking the likes. I'm checking the comments. And am I getting any, any traction with this? And it's all about me. And it becomes about my pride. Now, for some of you, it's like social media is like, you don't even have any of those things. You care less about that. But for you, it's social status. We've already talked about that. But it's the social status, being seen with the right people, knowing the right people. And if I can just get into that crowd, be with those people, live in that zip code, blah, 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 then, then my life will matter. Then somebody's, then I'm important. If I, if I lived in a, man, they've got an HOA. We don't have an HOA. If I lived in a place with an HOA, then I would be more, I would, it would be so much more valuable. I, I, I would feel so much more important. On and on and on go these things. It's, we talked about stuff. I mean, you can get so caught up in stuff because you got to have a, I got to have a new shirt. I got to have a new outfit. I got to have new shoes. I've got to have that, that house, that car, that thing. Why? Because I, I need to feel something. Now, maybe for you, it's not stuff. You, maybe you're the minimalist among us. Well, congratulations. You know, I just don't, stuff does not have me. I don't have anything. And that's your pride right there. <laughs> Going around showing off that you ain't got nothing. I mean, that's just me. I just don't have anything. I have uh, five hangers and five shirts, and I rotate them. <laughs> get caught up as moms and dads and in our kids. And, man, they got to get them out there and get them doing this and making, having them do this. And, no, no, I'm doing it for them. Doing it for them. Are you? I hope so. I hope so. I really hope so. And I think that a lot of moms and dads, your heart is in the right place. You want good for your kids, and I love that. But I coach, man. I'm a coach. And I can tell you, I see it. There are parents that are in it for the right reasons, and then there's parents that are in it because they want to know how many points their kid got. And they can come up at the end of the game, and they don't tell me whether we won or lost. They just tell me how many points their kid got. Man, my boy had 28 today. I've heard that. Pride just slowly can creep it. It can happen in the church. It creeps into the church. We can take pride as followers of Jesus. Well, at least I'm not like them. I mean, God help them. I am I'm a scholar of the scriptures. Pastor, I'm so glad when you tell people to read their Bibles because people need to read their Bibles, and if they didn't read their Bible, I read my Bible every day. Can't wait to get to group and tell everybody about it. <laughs> oh, man, curl the toes up. Curl them up. Curl them up, people. <laughs> I'm in the house of God. Where? Oh, they're not here again, but I am here, and God sees me. Now, is reading the word good? Yes. Yeah, is being in the house of God good? Yes. Serving good? Yes. All those things are good, but, but, but pride can even creep into the house. Um, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl or not. Um, thank you for that. Please, right into my next point. Like, some of you could care less about the Super Bowl, right? I mean, you, know, you don't know who won. You don't, you don't even remember who was playing. It is not an idol in your life like Curtis and Paula. You're not all caught up in it, obsessed with it. Your passion and your devotion and everything hinges on that, right? You shouldn't have shouted out. You should not have. But uh, I saw this... In amazing article that if you, if you didn't see the Super Bowl, it was the pinnacle moment for any athlete. The, the kicker at the end of the game in the Super Bowl kicked 
to win the Super Bowl. Like that's the pinnacle of all sports of what any athlete could ever dream of from a little boy in their life or a little girl. Like I'm gonna kick the winning kick in the Super Bowl. And he kicks the winning kick and runs off the field with 0-0 on the clock. They win the Super Bowl. You would think in that moment that the kicker would then go on a, a media tour, right? Like he would get in front of everybody, he'd be high-fiving people, he'd, he'd be posting to social media and all that. No, no, do you, do you know what Harrison Butker did? This is nuts. This guy went away on a silent prayer retreat to a monastery. This is a guy who's got it figured out. I don't know him, I don't know anything about him, but I was like in awe of that. Because I don't know that I would have done that. But I think this is a guy who said, I know what could happen to me and I don't get, listen, my, my, my worth and my value and, and, my, and who I am as a person is not found in kicking the winning kick in a Super Bowl. Amen. That's just an idol. That's great, happy I did it. But no, my value, my worth, my fulfillment, my joy comes from Jesus and he went away to give glory to God. This was the life of Jesus. This is what Jesus did. He, he often withdrew. When he could have stepped in front of the crowds, he gets baptized. The, the, the spirit descends like a dove. The voice of the father, this is my son in whom well, I'm well pleased. I mean, he just, amazing, and he does that. And, and in that moment, he could have just went, went ta-da, but he didn't. He withdrew to the wilderness. He feeds 5,000 people with a couple fish and some bread. How many of you have all done that, huh? He's just like, bara for my next trick. No, he didn't. No, he withdrew to the will. He, he's, got, uh, he's got fame and glory. Like, there's like 20,000 people. He is just impressed in the most miraculous way he could. <laughs> and they're all wanting his attention. They're all wanting his autograph. They're all wanting to get a post on social media with him. And what does he do? He, with, he withdraws from the people to seek the face of his father. Why? That's an example for us to remain humble. That right as pride is knocking on your door to say, I'm not gonna answer that. Come on, turn to somebody tell them, I ain't gonna answer that door. I'm not gonna answer that door, but I'm gonna withdraw and, and let my worship belong to God and God alone. He will be my obsession. So God warned Manasseh about his pride, but he... He turned a deaf ear to God. Turn, turn to somebody and tell him, don't turn a deaf ear. Don't, don't turn a deaf ear. So he's captured by the Assyrians, as we read earlier. He became a prisoner. He got a ring stuck in his nose. They took a chain, led him away, and he was just humiliated, and he lost everything. But we see in verse 12, it says this, but while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord his God, and say this with me, he what? Sincerely humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. What did Manasseh do here? He humbled himself in repentance before God. This is one of the only ways I truly know how to remain humble. And, and that is to come before God in daily repentance. I have talked about that at nausea from this stage for the last two years. You, you've got to be a person of repentance. I have learned this in my life to daily repent before God. I, I use the Lord's Prayer every single day as a guide. If, if you go on corechurch.com and you click on the Lent thing there, you'll see all kinds of helpful information about Lent. You'll also see a Lord's Prayer guide on there that you can use. It's very similar to the one I use. Use, that if you need something to help you, to guide you, I encourage you to use that. But when you read the Lord's Prayer, it will put you in a position of humility. Why? Because in that prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And how many times am I wanting him to build my kingdom? God, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. I need you to answer this. I need this to happen. And God's like, Brad, you're, 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 you're trying to build your kingdom. Okay, God, and I got to humble myself. And then he says in that prayer, forgive us our sins. And what I have seen, the longer that you follow Jesus, one of the ways in which the enemy gets you with pride is for you to say, I am not a sinner. I never sin." I have nothing to repent of. And the enemy has got you with pride. 
But coming before him every day and humbling yourself and saying, okay, God, is there any pride in me? Is there any ways in which that I have not honored you? Where am I chasing after the wrong things? What have I become obsessed with? Where is the danger at in my life? God, would you point it out to me? I really think that repentance and humility is what sparks revival. Everybody talks about revival. We're going to pray for revival. Do you want revival? Revival will start first in your soul. And we all have been, I've been just uh, in awe of what has happened at Asbury University. It's just been incredible to see those students and how they humbled themselves in repentance and, the, and, and just what happened on that campus for over two weeks and that's spilling out all over the nation. But, but let, may we never forget that that all happened simply because a couple of students lingered after what even the chapel speaker says was a really bad talk. <laughs> and they stayed, and they just felt they needed to humble themselves in repentance. And then revival broke out in them, and then revival broke out at a university, and revival continues to spill out across the country. Now, why is revival not coming to some places and it's coming to others? Isn't that kind of frustrating at times? It is to me. I don't get it. I'm like, wait a second. Why is it breaking out at Texas A&M and, and, and not over here? And why is it breaking out at this school and not over here? Why is it, why is it showing up at this church and not at, at this church? And I can, I can tell you what it is. God only comes where there is repentance and humility. He's looking for humble people. And where pride is, God is going to be absent. God's not going to show up where there is pride. I mean, this is what we see in verse 13. It says that when Manasseh prayed, in other words, when he humbled himself, he humbled himself in repentance, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. That's God's heart is moved when you are humble and you repent. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And then Manasseh finally realized that what? Say it with me, that what? The Lord alone is God. And if you keep reading, it says that he tore down all the idols. He repaired the altar of the Lord. He reestablished the worship of God. And that's what we're driving at today. That's what humility is. It's tearing down the altars in my life that do not honor God. I will not be obsessed with that. That will not have all my passion. That will not have all my devotion. God and God alone will have that. I will be obsessed with him because he is obsessed with me. Let's pray together for a moment. Would you bow your heads? I love that we bow our heads because it is the ultimate act of humility. God, you see us as we humble ourselves right now before you. Holy Spirit, come in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you show us those areas, those idols that we have set up? What is it today that you need to let go of? What idol do you need to remove from the temple of the Holy Spirit in your life? Give that to him right now. You're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. I want to invite you into a relationship with him. His grace and his mercy are here for you. Manasseh, he repented and God heard him, listened and came to him and restored him. That's your story. That's your story waiting to be written. And all you have to do right now is say, okay, God, I'm, I'm Manasseh in this story, God. Would you forgive me? And he says, yes, here's my grace. Here's my mercy. I want to restore you. I want to bring you back so that you can inherit the good things of this earth. What is that? The good things of this earth, the relationships, the joy, the relationship with him, the peace. I tell you what inheriting the earth is all about. It's about having hope every day of your life. It's about experiencing the healing work of the spirit on your soul. It's about having peace. That's inheriting the earth. I have peace on this earth. I have purpose. My life has meaning. That's what God wants for you. Father, we thank you that you're bringing that today. You're bringing restoration. You're bringing healing. And we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. encourage somebody around you. Tell them you are forgiven and you are free. You are forgiven and you are free. We're going to move into a time of prayer and communion here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to ask you, if you would, to just maybe grab a next step card or a prayer card What's your next step? 
We want to help you. Maybe it's maybe you're, you said, today I committed my life to Jesus. Your first step into the church is baptism. We would love to celebrate baptism with you. How can we come alongside you? How can we support you? You, got, you need prayer. What do you need prayer for? Would you let us know about that? I, I was so moved by our, our youth. Um, our youth gather every Wednesday night right here, and, and they have a time in their groups of prayer. And I got a hold of some of these prayer cards this week, and these are our teenagers. And I, I love this. It, this one says, my dad is getting clean from marijuana, and would you pray that my best friend stops harming themselves? This is what our, our young people are dealing with. Another one says, I'm praying for godly relationships that someone will love me. This prayer request Oh, man. God, help us. God, help us to be stewards of your mercy and grace to one another. This one says, um, I ball up my feelings and I shove them deep, deep down. I feel like I can't talk to anyone about it. And it hurts. telling you what I love about this is this is young people that are, when, when you write something down, like I know, I know for some of you, you, you have groups and you have people that are praying with you. I, I think that's beautiful and you need that. But there's something powerful that happens when you take pen to paper and you write it down because it becomes real. You're admitting it before God. Those prayer request cards, what I believe they are is they're an act of humility our prayer team that's going to be up here at the front of the stage, can I tell you what keeps you from coming to the prayer team? You know what it is. We've been talking about it. Pride. Every time. You know I need somebody to pray with me about this. I need somebody to pray with this. But, but, but you're, you're, a, you're a board member. You're a teacher in our kids' ministry. You lead a small group. You're, you're thought of as a godly man or woman. And if I step beyond these tables to somebody over here, then people are going to know something and think something's wrong with me. We're not going to think anything's wrong with you. We're going to think that everything is right with you. Everything is right with you. But that takes a true act of humility. We hope the message you heard both encourages you and inspires you. Yeah, we'd love for you all to come and see us at Core Church at 10 a.m. any Sunday. And if we can support you in any way or you'd like to get connected with us, there are links in the description below. Thanks again for joining us online.